Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuhu. As we walk through our life, we gain a certain amount of knowledge. We learn how to take care of ourselves. We learn how to interact with other people. And for the most part, we learn the things that help us accommodate to this existence. So we learn a profession or a trade. Uh, We apprentice uh, to learn how to do some kind of work so that we can support ourselves. And a lot of our life is wrapped up in that work and in supporting ourselves and making a living. We learn how to get along with people. We learn social niceties uh, so that there can be interaction. But if you take a very broad approach to what we actually know, you begin to realize that we know very little and that our knowledge is extremely limited. Our knowledge of ourself is limited and our knowledge of others is limited. Now, considering how little we actually know ourselves, isn't it funny that people talk about other people as if they knew what was going on in them? Yet, we make these assumptions that we know. The arrogance that we show in our daily life at almost every second is beyond estimate if we actually look at what we're saying and understand the extent of what we know about what we're talking about. But we don't do that. Because if we did that, we would probably be quiet most of the time. And being quiet most of the time is not something that our ego will allow us to do. It's not something that our nature will allow us to do. Uh, We want to be gregarious. We want to be involved. uh, We want to be part of uh, the community. And then when other people talk, all of those things inside of us that need to respond come into play, and we become a social animal. And the word animal is important in the phrase social animal because there's no wisdom in our reaction most of the time. It's just reaction. So, understanding that our knowledge of existence is incredibly limited, Understanding that our knowledge of others is limited, 
we should understand that we need to be careful about our judgment of others and careful about our judgment of ourselves. And we should understand that as we get to know ourselves, we will get to know others. The lower levels of consciousness are shared among all of us. And they're very much the same for each of us. So if we understand the lower levels of consciousness in ourselves and the motivations that those lower levels of consciousness have, we can understand the motivations in others. Because the lower levels of consciousness are very similar to animal reactions. And you can sort of, after studying an animal for a period of time, see how it will react in certain situations. Because they will react that way all the time. Well, it's not that dissimilar with humanity. But if we truly want to understand who we are, we have to truly understand what our purpose is and what our possibilities are. And we need to know that wisdom a level of higher consciousness is available to us under certain circumstances. And we have to create the circumstances for us to be able to enter into this door of wisdom. For instance, you can't swim and carry furniture at the same time. You can't run and have your legs tied with ropes. There are certain things that you can't do under certain circumstances. And wisdom requires certain circumstances. And what are these circumstances that wisdom requires? And this is something that people have been searching for for ages. <coughs> they want answers, but they don't understand that an answer isn't necessarily going to take you anywhere. Philosophy isn't going to take you anywhere. Discussion isn't going to take you anywhere. There has to come a time of being, not talking. And until we understand the difference between being and talking, we can talk a lot about a lot of things and not be within the truth. So, what are the circumstances that allow you to be that which can become wise? What are the circumstances that allow you to be that which can become wise? 
Well, there's a disease called obsessive-compulsive disorder, which means that certain things within the world um, you obsess about, and you have to do them over and over and over and over and over. Uh, You can't help yourself. Well, all of us have this obsessive-compulsive disorder with all of our habits in the world. If we have a strong drug addiction, that's obvious. And we know what the solution to that is. Stop the drugs. But there are so many other addictions that have nothing to do with ingesting substances. There are addictions that our mind has and that our being has that we need to do. Have you ever walked into a room and you see one person who's louder than everybody else and who's dominating what's going on in the room? Well, their obsessive compulsion is that they have to dominate the situations that they're in. Um, You'll see other people in the same room who cower in a corner and don't say a word. Their compulsion is to escape from whatever's going on and to hide from it. This is not necessarily a good kind of keeping quiet. Hiding and being quiet are not the same thing. We need to be able to do away with the habits that we have made part of our upbringing, which have become part of our upbringing, and which we have accepted as absolute. Um, These things include the understanding that there's a difference between different people in different races, different people in different religions, different people of different nationalities. There's some kind of an intrinsic difference between them. And we usually have within us a gradation system that grades who's the best. And we usually put ourselves at the top of that list, or whatever our group is. Can we see other people no matter what their race, religion, nationality, language, as the same as us? And can we be in a place where there are no differences among people, and can we grasp that? That's one of the circumstances that we need to be in in order to have wisdom. Without that, we can't have wisdom. You can't see others as different than you and have wisdom. This is a pillar of the truth. And if you reject pillars of truth, you have decided on your own to block wisdom from entering your being. 
You have decided on your own to lock the door to true understanding. You have decided on your own that transcendence is not for you. You want to stay within the limits of the way the world sees things. You've decided not to elevate yourself to the plane where God sees things. And this is the difference between wisdom and worldly understanding. In wisdom, we have an elevated perspective. We have an elevated point of view. In in the worldly point of view, we say our religion is the best. And through our religion, we find God. From the elevated point of view, we say God created everyone, and everyone has the opportunity to find God. And the question is, have they purposefully intended within their being to have a relationship with God? And what have they done towards bringing that intention to fruition? In the world, we say, God has chosen the people of my religion. In the elevated point of view, we say, God chooses the ones who choose him. And when that choice is made, God makes that choice back. So it doesn't have to do with worldly clubs and worldly organizations and worldly religions. It has to do with some kind of personal experience that you have gone through and that has occurred to you that brings you into the realm of a relationship with your Creator. Every group, sect, cult, eventually begins to believe, because I'm here, I'm special. Because I did this in a certain way, I'm special. The only way you become special is if God chooses you. And God chooses you because you choose God. So forget about choosing religions. Forget about choosing cults or sects. Think about choosing God. Remember that the bottom line is your relationship with your Creator. It's not about your relationship with other people. Eventually, your relationship with other people will become right when your relationship with your Creator becomes right. But if your relationship with your Creator is not right, then your relationship with Creator with other people, will be the normal interactions that the world has. And your your relative uh, ability to get along will have to do with your knowledge of customs, uh, how to treat people, what people like, what people don't like. I've watched people who have this sense of understanding what other people need. So they immediately can curry favor with them by giving them 
what they need. And people usually respond to being given what they want and what they need. So they will act kindly towards you. And then I've seen other people who have standards of how they treat people. If someone's a waiter or a waitress in a restaurant, they get treated a certain way. If they're the manager of the restaurant, they get treated another way. If they're the owner of the restaurant, they get treated another way. If they're the owner of the building that owns the restaurant, they get treated another way. So people treat people according to their importance and according to their power and according to their wealth. Well, this has to do with our own standards. Can we truly say that we can treat all men alike and we don't have a sense of favoritism that's built up within us? In truth, this is not easy to do. But in truth, if you want to have and be in the circumstances that allow you to have wisdom, you have to be able to do that. You have to be able to look at somebody and not judge them, but love them. What we usually do is to judge. What we need to do is to love. And we need to increase the level of love within our being. Why do people gossip? <clears throat> Why do people tell tales on other people? Because it makes them feel better about themselves. They usually have something within themselves that they're ashamed of, so to cover their shame, they're going to shame somebody else. Push the shame away from me. Push the shame on someone else. You can't do that and have wisdom. You can't do that and have a higher point of view, a elevated point of view. It's not possible. And what has stopped you from doing that? You've stopped yourself from doing that. So we need constantly to do an introspection of our motives. If you read the book of Hadith, the first Hadith talks about the importance of intention. So we have to wake up every morning with an intention whether it's a conscious intention or not, <clears throat> we have things to do during the day. And we intend to do them. Now, how do we intend to do them? What's the purpose of our day? Do we start the day with a prayer that our intention is to do good in the world, to be kind in the world, to love in the world, to go through our day with kindness and love and being an aid to humanity in the way that Allah 
aids humanity? Do we set an intention that this day will be a merciful day and a compassionate day? A day when our actions will be graced by the qualities of Allah? Or do we not even think about that? Do we think about, what do I need? What do I want? What am I trying to get? What's going to satisfy my desire? And the truth is that all of these what's going to satisfy my desire situations are automatic. You don't even have to think about them because you have something inside of yourself, which is desire, which moves on its own. And as it moves, it moves you. So in order to counteract that desire that exists within all of us, we have to set an intention to do positive kinds of things. Otherwise, positive kinds of things for humanity, not for ourselves. Because otherwise, our default position is ourself. Our default position is to take care of ourself. And to get out of that default position, there has to be an active effort. Each of us has what's called the lower self. Uh, in Arabic, it's called the nafsamara, the, the, the part of us that strives to gain for ourselves. It doesn't want an elevated understanding of things. It wants a personal understanding of things, and the world revolves around us. We are the sun. Uh, the king of France said that, I think. I am the sun. And he meant it in a very real way. His world revolved around him. But in truth, all of us think that way. We are the sun. Our world revolves around us. Is it possible to see a world that doesn't revolve around you? Is it possible to see a world without you in it? Is it possible to disappear within your actions. Um, recently, I've seen a lot of people who I've known for a long time die. And they went from incredibly vibrant to disappearing. From incredibly powerful to no power at all. Uh, from incredibly interactive to being totally unable to act. Uh, this situation is going to come to each of us. We are incapable of envisioning it uh, because we are incapable of envisioning what comes after it. So because we can't see the after, we can't see the before. Death is before the after. Um, teacher asked uh, a class of children, what do you have to do to go to heaven? Little boy raises his hand in the back seat and says, you have to die. <laughs> and nobody <laughs> quite understands that. They talk about 
how your qualities have to reach to a certain level, and that all may be true, but you also have to die. To go into the next phase, you have to die. And nobody really talks about that or confronts that. We have to be able to confront the fact that that's going to happen to us. And can we act in this life as if we weren't here? Can we act in this life as if we were not here? It changes everything in an incredibly powerful way. All of a sudden, animosities don't mean anything. Friendships disappear. Wealth and power have no meaning. Can we walk through our life as if we weren't here? To die before death is the Sufi way of life. But can we seriously take on that understanding? Can we be invisible? And can we handle being invisible? Or do we need to proclaim our persona? We need to lord above everything in our domain. The ability to disappear, the ability to walk through this life without harming anything and without being involved is part of creating the circumstances to have wisdom. And if we can't do that, we can't have wisdom because our sight is limited by the blinders of our physical existence. And if we can't see beyond our physical existence, we can't know the truth of who we are because we're identified with our physical existence. So somehow... We have to release ourselves from this identification. Everything that you have concluded as truth becomes either a passageway for you or a veil for you. Because just because you've concluded that it's the truth doesn't mean it's the truth. It means that your imagination has come to this conclusion. And many of the things that we hold we hold dear as true are opposite to truth. It's important for us to be important. No, it's not. But my mother told me that. And it's difficult to get over what your mother told you. It's difficult to get over what your father told you. It's difficult to get over what your teachers tell you. But that's part of what we have to do. We have to get over 
what we're taught and what we believe. And it's not easy. And that's why people drink. (laughs) It's hard to handle. And so there's a lot of self-medication in this world. But the reality of existence, as my wife says, is it's a round-trip ticket. You don't come with a one-way ticket here. And unless you understand the nature of your ticket, you don't understand the nature of your existence. When I go to New York, I get a round-trip ticket. I know I'm coming back. Well, y'all are coming back. To where? Well, you have to get a grasp of that. And you'll begin to understand it when you can walk through this life as if you're not here. When you can walk through this life not thinking that every step you take makes an imprint. Uh, When we can walk without footsteps. It's a different kind of existence. When uh, I watched my teacher, I saw that he had no attachment to things. As things were given to him, he gave them away. As worries were given to him, he swallowed them and made them disappear. He took care to be in a state that was transcendent so that you can see what a state of transcendence was. And a state of transcendence is a state of being in a station of kindness and mercy and compassion and love and justice constantly not for between 2 and 4 or between 1 and 118 and then again at 4 to 418 and 6 to 618 it's to be there all day and all night and with everybody that you meet and in everything that you do and if we can do that then we don't need to talk about it we can just be it but there are times when it's necessary to talk about it so that people can also see what is going on in the truth and my teacher was a fountain of words a river he never stopped talking but he also never stopped being so when you can be then you can talk because your talk is love and your talk is justice and your talk is mercy but until you can be maybe it's better to be quiet for a while it's certainly a choice so we have to go on Uh, we're put here and we're set adrift and we're given certain guidance and we're given certain instruction 
We have to be able to choose the appropriate guidance and the appropriate instruction. One of the things that I've learned is that whether or not people know things or not, they will act as if they know them. Whether people know answers to questions or not, they will answer your question. Uh, The integrity of I don't know is lost to most of the world. It's a very good answer to things. Except when you take tests and you write, I don't know, they don't care. (laughs) They say, that's not a good answer. I had uh, a question once in in a legal exam. And I had no idea what the answer was. And my answer was, so I wrote, I will go to another member of the firm and ask him what the answer to this is. And then I will talk to my client and explain it to him. Now, I don't know how much credit I got for that answer. Uh, fortunately, the law school I went to didn't fail anybody out. But in reality, when I was a lawyer, that was not an unusual situation. Nor was it an unusual circumstance. And it was one of the ways I did things. And because of that, because of recognizing what I didn't know, I was able to become a pretty good lawyer. Because I didn't give people advice that I had no idea about. And we need to be able to understand that in general. May God help us. <laughs> it all comes down to may God help us. Astafa Allah Azim. And may God forgive us. We, we walk through this life and it is His grace that maintains us and sustains us. And may He also give us all wisdom. Amin. Amin. Ya Rabbi Lalameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.